What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Norm Garrett. Liberation. And making his triumphant return to VGM Generations, Jordan Polinski is here with Woo. us. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm back. He's back. So uh, for those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations, basically once a week. Three friends with very gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. And remember to stick around to the end of the episode for contest details, just like Sean Steinke, the homie, did last month. So Sean, as I've as I've said the last few episodes, uh, Sean gave us a review on Twitter, or a review on iTunes, I should say, which I've been stated many times is worth 50,000 or like 100 million entries into the contest, so he instantly won by giving us a review. Sean, Sean is the man. I think I've talked about Sean before. Sean is always retweeting us on Twitter. He's like, he, he single-handedly keeps me going when I'm like, I don't know if I should do this podcast anymore. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to do it for Sean. Do it for Sean. Do it for Sean. And because of that, you're going to buy him his, his entire wish list on Steam. That's right. No, I'm going to buy one of three games. But uh, the three games we talked about last month. But um, yeah, he's our big winner. So we'll be reaching out to Sean yet again to see which game he would like for free. Another thing I want to mention, there is one, I found one other uh, review on iTunes as I was perusing through to see if there was any new ones. Zero GB. If you are out there and you are listening, please message me on Twitter because you left us such a wonderfully worded, such a kind uh, review. Nice five-star review. You left it on the 15th of September. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you're out there, please make yourself known and you will be the, the winner of this month for sure because that was a fantastic review. So Our hearts were singing. Our hearts were singing. Yeah, I had to <laughs> send it to all the guys and I was like, is one of you zero GB? Are you, <laughs> are you guys just reviewing is our podcast? Is this you? Is this one of your moms? Yeah, exactly. That's Well, that's what I thought because it's so wonderful, but it wasn't. So if you're out there, zero GB, and you are listening, please send us a message on Twitter or on our Gmail account, whatever. So anyway... On to this month's episode. And this month's episode is one that, ironically, Aaron has been begging me forever, and now he's not here. But uh, it's anything we please, anything we want. It's this kind of catch-all episode because uh, a lot of times we're doing these episodes and we have our themes, and then it's like, oh, man, I just I really want to talk about this song. But it doesn't quite fit. And that and there's there's certain games that you know we all we love or that we're really familiar with. And they just never quite fit into a certain category. Or sometimes you have leftovers that never get picked. And leftovers, yeah, that don't get picked from another month, and then you move on, and then you don't have it. So, so this is the catch-all month. It's anything we please. And so for me, one that I've wanted to talk about for a long time is Assassin's Creed 2. Um, it's a huge game for me. The track I picked is, a, is maybe probably the most popular track from that soundtrack. It's called Ezio's Family. Uh, of course, this game was developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft in is 2012. Is that right? I think it might have been 2009. But anyway, I might have forgotten. Which one are you going that. with? The uh, the first one? Assassin's Creed 2. Like, yeah, so just 2, the first of the trilogy. Yeah, the first of the Ezio trilogy. Assassin's Creed 2 came out in 2009. Yeah, I was right. Okay, so I messed that up in my notes. But anyway, uh, 2009. Uh, and the music is by the, the composer Jesper Kidd, uh, who I've talked about. So, um, the only time I've ever talked about Assassin's Creed before, longtime listeners will know we had the Kusoge month, uh, which is literally translates into shit games in Japan, in Japanese. Uh, and I talked about Assassin's Creed three because I didn't like that game very much, but Assassin's Creed two, on the other hand, is a fantastic game. Assassin's Creed two is the game that got me into Assassin's Creed. So, um, I didn't play the first. I was always interested in the first with Altair and the whole, you know, Jerusalem. And I remember seeing trailers and seeing gameplay at E3 and stuff like that and thinking, this looks cool. But when the reviews came out, it was people talked about the game being really repetitive. It was kind of slow for and like the controls were imprecise and stuff. And in the second game, they just refined everything. So they had a new hero, a new protagonist in Ezio, who was really charming. Everybody loved Ezio. Uh, and they just refined all of the mechanics and just made them that little bit better. And just, and like, it's, we talk about it all the time on the show, but it's kind of just that thing where you, the second game tends to be the best in any trilogy or the second movie tends to be the best in the trilogy of movies because it's like, you take all the ideas and then you just refine them, make them a little better. And then you get, Except in game. the Mega Man series, it 
<laughs> took him till three to figure oh, he's it out. Back. He's back and he's got a bone to pick. Uh, yeah. I'm on his team, by the way. Are you? Awesome. Are you Megman 3? <clears throat> yes. Oh, geez. All right, I'm, I'm outnumbered the now. slide, yeah. It's not good. All right. But anyway. But you're right, though. Like, yeah. like um, when I saw one, I didn't have a PS3 yet. But for me, one was like, I need to buy a PS3. What's going on? This game looks amazing. Yeah. But by the time I got it, number two was out and that's when everybody was like, Oh no, just skip one, go straight to two. Yeah. And two was my favorite in the series as well. Yeah. So, um, the other thing I got to mention, like one of the main reasons I bought this game and I have to mention this just in general, but Ubisoft's trailer division, like the, the people who do the cinematic trailers for them are some of the best in the industry. And especially the Assassin's Creed trailers in particular are always phenomenal. And the, yes. the trailer for this game where they're in Venice and it's like during carnival and they like, it's like Ezio and he like pays off these, like uh, he pays off these like hookers to go like distract this guy. And then he kills him in the middle of the crowd. It's such a good trailer. Like yeah. I went back and watched it again last night just to like refresh my memory. And I started to get like excited again. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, this trailer is so good. So that was a big part of the reason I played this game. Uh, so for this uh, track in particular, Ezio's family, um, just like uh, the AC3 track that I played, uh, this is the track that plays as like the opening credits or whatever you want to call them of the game. So, you know, you start a game, well, like this game, and you don't go through the credits right away. You kind of play through a sequence and then it gets to a part in the game where it kind of does like this little cinematic pan and it shows like Assassin's Creed 2 uh, like on the screen. And so that's the the music that plays here. So. I don't know how well you guys do you remember the intro of this game? Not the intro, but I know exactly the moment you're talking okay. about. It's like it's like a Bond movie where there's like a little mini part that you play yeah. and then the like the title comes up and, yeah, then, exactly. and then the game proper starts. Yeah. Did you play AC2? Uh, I, I played the first bit. Okay. Played enough to get a feel for it. I, I didn't stop playing for any reason in particular. I did like the game and yeah, very impressive okay, in all so, aspects. So I just, I want to like, so I can just frame this for you guys. So if you remember the, the beginning of the game, you kind of, you're running around, your dad sends you on an errand to drop off like a letter. Uh, and then you get into a fight because like, it, it's very much like this old, cause it's set in like the 1500s. So it's like one family is speaking bad about another family. So like the sons have to like uphold the honor. So you end up getting in a, in like a street fight. And it's actually, I'd forgotten this, but it's where Ezio gets the cut on his lip. Okay. Like, cause he has that kind of signature thing in throughout the other games. You can see he's got like a scar on his lip and it's because right at the beginning of the game, this guy from the other family throws a rock at you and hits you in the mouth Yeah. and it like cuts. And then, so you get in this fight and then you're like running away from the fight. So you don't get like caught and you end up climbing these buildings and how it like teaches you how to climb in the game. And then you get up to the top and your brother says to you, it's a good life we lead brother. And you say the best may it never change. And he says, and may it never change us. And then you hear this big swell of music. So I'm going to leave it there and uh, let's listen to Ezio's family from Assassin's Creed 2.
And it's like perfect credit music. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So was it just the title that came up? Yeah. So it was uh, Ubisoft presents Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll talk a little more about this music and stuff like this. One thing I'll mention, I don't have it here in my notes, but I just saw it yesterday. Um, this piece of music is on YouTube, like officially from Ubisoft. Like they have like an official upload of this and it, it has over 3 million views. So this is like by far the most like listen to piece. And this is the one that a lot of people associate with Assassin's Creed too. Cause like this particular theme kind of changes and modifies like this motif changes and modifies throughout the game, but it's kind of, it's in a bunch of scenes yeah. and it's whenever you're with your family in any capacity, you hear this. So, uh, I'm going to do some spoilers to the game now, but you know, this is all about family and, right after the, or shortly after this scene in the game where you're up on the rooftops with your brother and you're just like, you know, talking about how much you love your life. It all goes wrong for Ezio's family. Like, so what happens is the guy who you deliver the note to at the beginning of the game is like this. He's a, he's somewhere in the church. I don't, I can't remember what his proper title is, but he's part of the church and he's accusing this, this other family accuses you of treason and, and all these terrible things. And then this guy's supposed to clear the name and he like loses the evidence that clears your name. And so Ezio watches his younger, his youngest brother, who's like just a little boy, his older brother and his dad die, get hanged. And so that's like, it all goes terrible. And that's like what kicks off the story. And then you leave the city and the whole thing. It's like game of Thrones. Yeah, pretty, sort of. Yeah, heavy. actually, it is actually very Your similar to the, slaughtered in the, front of you the and end then, of season one of Game of Thrones where like yeah. Arya watches her dad die and it's like, you know, that sets her on this path and it kind of it's yeah, it's a similar story. Well, most of his family dies except for the best member of his family. <laughs> well, and then like his mom goes like mute. And so like there's this whole sub uh, like one of the uh, uh, like collection tasks in the game is to find these feathers. And it's because like your little brother was obsessed with these feathers. Oh, that's why the feathers are. Yeah, a thing. Yeah. yeah. So if you remember that, like trying to find the feathers in the game and then once you collect them all, she actually talks to you once like for one last time and stuff okay. like that. So it's, it's like, it's powerful. There's a lot of powerful themes in this game. Um, but uh, to talk about Jesper a bit and uh, interview I saw with him about this game and this music. So he were, he actually did the music for Assassin's Creed one as well. Um, he talks about loving working with Ubisoft because they gave him so much creative freedom. So they kind of said, you know, here's this game, here's this, you know, they had stuff to show him. Here's what our protagonist looks like. Here's where we are. And in the first game, the first game he said was a bit darker. It was a bit more brooding, more serious because, um, Altair was a more serious character, whereas Ezio is a little bit more of a like lighthearted kind of joking character and they're in kind of less serious setting. Like they're not in this, you know, religious uprising kind of thing. They're in a, you know, they're in Europe and so it has very European themes. So the music is more cinematic, more romantic and more acoustic um, than the last game. They also had a larger budget. So they have uh, 35 string players and 13 uh, vocalists. And then, um, the lead vocalist, uh, was a, a girl by the name of Melissa Kaplan. And she did a lot of the solo vocals. So that one solo vocal you hear in this song, that's kind of over on top of everything else. That's her. Um, yeah. So that's just a little bit about the composer and the, and the song, um, and the, you know, the process. The one other thing, the one other like funny side thing I want to mention, there isn't one for the Assassin's Creed two trailer. But there are for Brotherhood, there is for Revelations, and there was for a couple of the other Assassin's Creed games. But do you do you guys know who Tabascus is? If I say Tabascus, nope. no, Tabasco, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not Tabasco, Tabascus. So Tabascus is this guy. He kind of like I don't know if he's like still caught as popular as he as he was, but he's just this YouTube personality and he was kind of like this gaming goofy geeky guy. He actually ended up um, co-hosting uh, Ubisoft's E3 show one year, but he did these literal trailers. So he would take like the song and the music from uh, like a really serious trailer, like one of the AC trailers and then like do vocals over top of like what was an orchestra orchestral or instrumental song. And they're, amazing and hilarious. So I just want to share that with you guys. Like you guys will have to go watch it after this listeners. If you have never seen one, my personal favorite is the revelations one, uh, just cause I love 
like the music. So it's he just takes this like really intense piece of music and has these super goofy vocals, and all he's doing is saying exactly what's happening on screen. Yeah, but it's hysterical. So yeah, you should tweet that out. So yeah, maybe I'll tweet at Tabaskus if he's still it. around. But yeah, but yeah, watch the if you. So I talked about how good, how much I love the trailers. I also love the joke version of the trailers, which is the Tabascus literal trailer. So you talked a lot about well, the name of the song was Ezio's family. Yep. You talked about his whole family getting hanged, but you left out well, the most his brothers. Yeah. Yeah. You left out the most important member of his family though, which is his, his uncle. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going, with. go ahead. Well, for those that don't know, he has an uncle by the name of Mario or yeah, Mario. Mario. Yep. Mario. And which one is it? Assassin's Creed 2, the first one? It's the first one, yeah. When he introduces him, yep. uh, he walks up to him and he says, hey, it's a me, Uncle Mario. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But you know he's, yeah. you know, tipping his hat to oh, yeah. Super Mario. It was a fantastic little, like, kind of Easter. Well, I don't even know if you can call it an Easter egg. Completely broke the moment, yeah. but in all the right ways. It was really good. Yeah, because so what happens is, so they leave, uh, I think they're in Florence, and they leave, they flee Florence for this, like their quote unquote family town, uh, Monteragoni, I believe it's called. And so when, as they're leaving, they get chased on this carriage. And then all of a sudden this other carriage comes in with these riders and like fights off the bad guys. And then you find it's your uncle. And he's like, uh, yeah, I can't. Re-. He's like, don't you recognize me? It's a me, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's he so says funny. it like overtly, like, oh, yeah. Ma- like, um, uh, it's like totally Char- like Charles Martinet. Yeah. But then he tones that down a lot when he, yeah. when he's not that anymore yeah. after that moment. So it's, it's like, good. just, it's like, you know, it's like he's played the Mario games and knows what he's doing. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great, that's a great little Easter egg there for you. If you've never played Assassin's Creed two, it's worth playing just for that moment. Just for that. It's early yeah. in the game too. So yeah, it is. It's pretty early on. So yeah, that's Assassin's Creed two. That's my pick. Norm, what's your pick this, this week? I chose a game called Ogre Battle for the SNES. Um, the full title is Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. and uh, Sounds ominous. Yeah, anyone who's a, <laughs> a Queen fan, uh, the band Queen. Like Freddie Mercury? Yeah, will know uh, Ogre Battle is one of their songs, but also The March of the Black Queen is another one of their songs. So these guys were uh, probably like queen, queen fans. <laughs> That's um, cool. Yeah, so it was developed by Quest, who is a, a smaller Japanese company of the time uh, and published by Enix. Uh, it, so I talked about Vagrant Story a couple months ago during the RPG month. Yep. Um, and I, I might have mentioned that it was made by my designer, artist, composer, dream team. Like when these three individuals get together, the games they make are awesome as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so it was uh, designed by Yasumi Matsuno, composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto, and uh, the art was done by Akihiko Yoshida. Um, so Ogre Battle, the game itself, had three composers, I should, should mention. Um, Hitoshi Sakimoto, Hayato Matsuno, Matsuo, and uh, Masaharu Iwata. So I'll get into the music in a bit. But anyway, Ogre Battle is kind of a strategy simulation type game. It's got some RPG elements, but I didn't find it was RPG enough for RPG month. Anyway. <laughs> That's but, what this month is for? Yeah. So, yeah, you're this, you're this kind of guy that, or, or gal, that leads his army across uh, this sprawling land, and you kind of, you form your armies, and you go around, and uh, it's, it's just a really vibrant game. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Ogre series at all. I am familiar, but I haven't okay. played this one. Yeah, so there's, there's, I think, Ogre Battle, Ogre Battle 64, and these are kind of the simulation-style games. Yeah, I remember hearing about the 64 one. Yeah, and then there's Tactics Ogre, um, a couple of Tactics Ogre games. I think there's five total in the series. Um, are those related in all to the Final Fantasy Tactics games? Yes. Oh, okay. So this... It was Final Fantasy Tactics was developed by these these yeah you uh, said it was Japanese by these guys Enix right yeah so these guys who were Quest eventually moved to Square oh okay they, yeah where they uh, worked on Vagrant Story Final Fantasy Tactics Final Fantasy Tactics is basically a Final Fantasy version of the Tactics Ogre games essentially oh, okay. All right. yeah so um, yeah great stuff great guys everything they put together is just uh, it's my cup of tea. Uh, and so the music, no exception, I got to say the, the track I'm going to play, it's, uh, 
it's kind of the the anthem for Ogre Battle. It's in 64 as well as the SNES. This, I think, is the first incarnation of this theme, and it's the best video game anthem ever. <laughs> this is your number one. <laughs> no discussion. Your, your number one song of all time or, uh, or not an, anthem? Anthem. 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 Okay. okay, so anyway, let's get right to it. The song is called Revolt, also called Thunder, um, from Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. stamp on something this is the best song for this console ever ever ideal only in absolute <laughs> so you mentioned the queen reference a couple times is there any similarities with the music i don't think so i don't know if the composer is a fan of queen or if it's just the developers themselves but it was more the naming convention of things yeah i think one of the other one of the tactics ogre um Subtitles is Let Us Cling Together, which I believe is also a Queen song. So okay. That can't be a coincidence. When you like kill an enemy, does like one of the guys say, another one bites the dust? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so, but there are some... Uh, are there any other Queen references? Uh, not that I know of, but okay. there are nice little sound bites within the game. Like when you liberate a city, it'll go, liberation, which I said at the top of the episode. and <laughs> Or like... Uh, your character development's all built around uh, tarot cards. So (laughs) when you start out, um, there's this old wizard who basically quizzes you on these moral choices um, via a deck of tarot cards. So he'll pull the hanged man and then ask you a question with respect to what the hanged man represents. And depending on how you answer these questions will determine what your stats are, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And uh, it's just a cool little way to do a character generation. Yeah, that's really interesting. Eventually, you figure out which answers get you the best attributes. Yeah, so you just go online and download the guide, or you can answer honestly. You and, are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like one of those purists, too. Yeah. Go unplug the cord if my little brother did. Well, he was actually pretty good. He's more of a purist than me. Anyway. Really? Now we're getting into personal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Personal stories are good. No, me and him both really like these games. So, yeah. Have you played through the 64 one much? I haven't really. Yeah. Um, Is so, the 64 one considered a good game or is Uh, it i thought it was am i thinking of something else that had like you know there were a lot of games on 64 like that were kind of like rush jobs and like or like you know like castlevania 64 is supposed to be god awful and stuff like that yeah so but this was a good game apparently it was quite uh highly praised it came out when i didn't have access to uh in 64 but so i actually skipped that one but the rest of them i have played okay yeah so the 64 one's the only one you haven't played 
Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I should actually chase it down. Yeah, I wonder Due if it's available right? out there. Yeah, exactly. Just to give it a shot. All right, anything else? Uh, n- not really. That's about all I have to say. Like, one of my favorite SNES games. I don't think it's on the SNES Classic, but... Uh, oh, yeah. But- oh, yeah, apparently <laughs> it's exceedingly rare. Um, I think they only made 50,000 copies in North America. Oh, wow, that is, which a, is, that is super limited. rare. Do you have a copy still? I tried to get a hold of one and through eBay and I had like three people try and ship it to me and it never made it here. They all refunded me. So I don't know. You failed this three like times to get on Navy? Ten years ago, yeah. That's oh, brutal. The worst part is ten years ago, it was probably like, a lot cheaper than it is yeah, now. No, yeah, I'm sure it's I, gone up tenfold in price. Yeah, I settled for like the PlayStation remake, which wasn't as... I, I wanted Is that. it a remake of the SNES though? Yeah. Okay. It, it's not even a remake. It's just a... Uh, a re-release support yeah yeah yeah, so um but anyway yeah that's kind of the one that got away from me from my snes collection which is okay yeah i don't know if i should talk about this stuff on the podcast but apparently i won't say anything more than this but you can add more games to the snes apparently the same way people found the same way people did with the the nes with the nes classic so yeah so even if it's not part of the collection you can make it part of your collection (laughs) so we'll leave it there (laughs) actually i should mention how I parted with the PS version of Ogre Battle because I wasn't very impressed with it. It didn't run great on the hardware. Uh, a lot of those ports from SNES didn't run great on the PlayStation. But anyway, I had borrowed one of my brother's friend's games, Final Fantasy 2 for SNES and traded him Ogre Battle in exchange and like I think he thought he was holding it hostage because he was like, well if if you don't give Final Fantasy 2 back, I'm just going to keep Ogre Battle. Actually, I want to keep Ogre Battle. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, just didn't, I just never responded. I was like, all right, if he thinks it's a fair trade, cool. That's funny. <laughs> we had, there was, a, there was a really weird situation with that with me and my friends. This is a tangent, but um, one of my friends, there was this thing in, it was the GameCube era. It was Smash Bros. And he had, so basically they had traded an extra controller for Smash Bros. So Melee on the GameCube. So you never actually owned it. And we played, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. I definitely have. But we played like the bejesus out of Melee, right? Like that was when we played the most and with the most regularity. So we like played that disc to hell. And like there were a couple times where like the friend who we had done the trade with was like, hey, do you still have my copy of Smash Bros? And he was just like, uh... Uh, and then he would just like never <laughs> respond and so or just oh. like change topics or whatever. Toast is done. Got to go. And- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he would just like consider and he I asked him about that and he was like, no, I consider it a trade. I give him a controller and then I got the game. Yeah. And that's the trade. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. trade, that's another question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was kind of similar to your situation there. But anyway, Jordan, what do you have for us this week? I want to talk about Hyperlight Drifter, uh, a game that came out in 2016, so last year, if, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. And, I think you uh, talked about playing this game. I have, yeah. It was about a year ago to date when I talked about what I was playing and mentioned this game. Um, so now I get to talk about it because that's the theme this month. So uh, Hyperlight Drifter, um, developed by a company called Heart Machine. And I might be going over a few of the same facts from a year ago, but I mean, now's the chance to to gush about this game. Yeah, so exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread some, some familiar ground here. But uh, developed by Heart Machine, composed by probably one of my favorite modern composers, Rich Vreeland, also known as Disaster Peace. And the creator, who I want to talk a bit about, his name was Alex Preston. He's the uh, he's the creator of Hyperlight Drifter, and I guess creator of Heart Machine, uh, the company that made the game. Um, game started off as a, a Kickstarter funded game. The goal they were aiming for was twenty seven thousand dollars. They got over six hundred and forty five thousand. So they, they beat their goal. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, I <laughs> think put it, it it's quite obvious when you see uh, the Kickstarter page right away what drew people to the game. It's got this really fascinating pixel art style, but beautiful animation, like very fluid animation. And the fact that it's all done with pixel art, it just, it, it feels like something old and yet something you've never seen before. So um, very beautifully done, very atmospheric and cool. The, the Kickstarter page describes it as the best parts of Link to the Past and Diablo combined. 
Um, and I would say that's more of a, like the mechanics of the game because story-wise, um, super atmospheric and immersive. Um, there's almost no explanation to the story. It's you, you literally start off as the drifter, the main character, and you're just kind of dropped in an open world. You don't know what you're supposed to do, where to go, who to talk to, how to gather your supplies. And, and pretty much you're just pushed out the door and you just figure it out as you go. And that's kind of how the story builds throughout the game. You don't really know what's happening. You get a few little cutscenes, um, and it's very much open to interpretation. So the one thing that is clear is that your main character seems to be dying. Like within the first couple cutscenes, even as you play the game, your character might, uh, you know, like kneel over and, and like clutch his stomach and start coughing up blood. And you think, oh shoot, did somebody hit me or did I die or did I, no, no, that's just might spontaneously happen as you're playing because your character, the drifter is, is slowly dying throughout the game. So a little bit of, I, I don't know, you piece it together, you figure it out, you're on your own. Like everybody has their own interpretation of that. Um, and the fact that they don't really tell you anything, I think is part of the charm of the game because not knowing is kind of scary as well. Um, so with that said, uh, thinking about the name of the studio behind it, Heart Machine, a uh, quick little story. I, I mentioned last time the creator, Alex Preston, uh, he actually has a congenital heart condition and he could die at any point in time in real life. Um, he had a, a valve put into his heart and he takes a pile of pills every day to stay alive. And he says in an interview, he didn't think he would live to be 30. And uh, why not put yourself into your art? So that's kind of the backstory to Hyperlight Drifter. You start to piece together in your head, oh crap, like the main character who's like coughing up blood for no reason and like falling over all the time. Um, it, it almost feels like he's looking for a cure in the game. And then you think about the guy that made the game and it's like, oh crap, like... It's kind of his life story. It's kind of his life story yeah. or um, getting you to experience what he feels on a daily basis through playing through this character. Like it's almost like in a way, kind of a biography in a way, like it's, it's super interesting. And I didn't know that until I was like halfway through the game and it really uh, adds a lot of gravity to the game. Big right? time. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it hits, it kind of, kind of tugs on your heartstrings a little bit. It's, it's a bit different for sure. Um, one last thing I want to mention about Alex himself. Uh, there's a really interesting interview with him on, uh, on vice on, uh, vice's YouTube channel. He's a interview with his cardiologist who says that Alex had a good sense of humor through everything, even though his humor was a little dark when showing him the procedure for, uh, getting the heart operation. Alex says, it looks like your fist, <laughs> my heart. <laughs> and uh the cardiologist laughed and said you know explain the procedure there's this balloon that like pumps blood into his heart and he's got this valve and all this and his reaction was pretty good so you know he stayed positive through it the game turned out to be a huge success and he lived past 30 he's still alive as of now and i hope he continues to live a long life and continue to put out more games is he um, working on something else right now? Do there, you know? He does have an, an upcoming project. I'll talk about that after the song because okay. that'll tie in a little bit. Um, composed entirely by Disasterpiece. Uh, the song I'm going to play is called The Hermit and it's the theme to the frog boss from Hyperlight Drifter.
I do love disaster piece. Like just, you can kind of, I think we talked about, we've talked about this before, but you can tell when it's him. Yeah. Like no matter what it is, like it was like a movie you were listening to or or something. It follows. I was in the middle of watching it follows last year after playing this game back to back, not knowing that he did the soundtrack. And I was like, this sounds just like Hyperlight drifter and Fez, which is the one most people know him for. And as I was sitting there, I flipped open IMDB and I was like, Oh my God, he does movies. This is great. This is actually him. Yeah. He's super talented guy. And if you ever like, if you like this music or Fez or it follows or whichever, um, go like watch some interviews with him. Cause he's like a super humble guy. Yeah. But like, he's obviously, he's one of those guys who you can tell like he's humble, but you can tell like underneath there's this like enormous well of talent. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you know, I just kind of did this and you're like, well, yeah, not too many people can just kind of do that. You kinda know do what I mean? That. <laughs> kind of put out this amazing soundtrack yeah, and, exactly. and brush it off. Like, you know, it was yeah, not it was really something big, I did. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, he's, he's definitely got incredible talent. Um, and he, so like I said, he was the sole composer on this. Um, he actually said that uh, the, the development of the soundtrack for Hyperlight was very, uh, very taxing emotionally. And he hasn't done a lot since he's done a few little things. Um, but, uh, on your note about upcoming games by, um, Heart Machine, he announced in an interview with very, very few details that he's working on another project with them. So I don't know anything more than that other than disaster piece and, um, heart machine are teaming up for something else. Okay. So there, there might be something else. There might be something coming up, but he was very vague on details probably because there's always a chance that it might not work out, but yeah, hopefully, because I mean, this sounds, the, the soundtrack is pretty great. Um, the sound in general, like there was a sound designer for the sound effects and everything. Um, he goes by the name of Akash Thakar. I hope I pronounced that right. He actually went to uh, sound design school with rich, which was kind of interesting to hear. And when I listened to an interview with him, he had some really interesting techniques for how the sound was developed in Hyperlight. Um, he, one process he had was a wire recorder from the 1950s and it had like a bunch of pre-recorded music from that era. So he had like this little girl and her piano lessons from like the 1950s and he's playing it through this wire recorder that never made it into the game, but just like to give you an idea of like what he was working with, he bought this thing off Amazon and he would use that and he would process all of his sound effects through it. So it had a very, um, I guess like analog old retro sounding, um, yeah, it gives it kind of like a distortion almost because those old recording techniques, the frequency range was extremely limited. So they almost sound end up sounding distorted. It's kind of like when you hear like, you know, that old, like the old radio cast, or if you ever watch a movie that's like set yeah. in like the fifties or the forties or, well, you know, there, there's, there's some band bands, like one in particular, if, if you know, boards of Canada, they do yeah. like, they intentionally go for that sound where yeah, it sounds like you're listening stuff. to an old tape recorder. That's slowly like chewing up the tape. Yeah. Um, and that was actually something that Rich tried to do for the soundtrack was process everything through a tape recorder, but he said it was offsetting the timing of certain moments too much. So he scrapped that idea. Um, but one of the coolest things I think that the sound designer Akash did was he had, uh, he bought a stethoscope and he hooked it up to a microphone and he recorded the sound of his own blood and he used that in the game as like atmosphere for the final boss battle. Jeez. So when you're fighting the final <laughs> boss, you have disaster pieces music and this guy's blood just like super distorted and crackling in the background while you're fighting the final boss. Super cool. That's a very, that's, it's like, it's creepy. It's yeah. just, that's a very creepy thing to do. Oh yeah. But so hearing all of that and knowing like disaster piece and his super atmospheric music, that's the whole game. Like the art style um, compliments that so well. Um, I know I didn't talk much about what the game is like, but I mean, I think that paints a pretty good picture. Um, if you haven't tried it, at least watch the trailers. It's super awesome. You'll fall in love with the art style if you haven't seen it already. Um, the game since it came out last year has been nominated for 16 different awards and it had won two of the 16, uh, last year. So that's about it. So great game with an awesome soundtrack. Uh, so yeah, then we have to ask you, Jordan, what have you been playing? I've been playing a game, uh, called Sundered and I'm playing it on steam. It just came out a little while ago. 
Um, it's sort of a Metroidvania style game where you run around um, in this big open world maze type thing. But what drew me to the game was the company Thunder Lotus. Um, they developed. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome name. It's only the Thunder best. Thunder Lotus. Only to be maybe outdone by Heart Machine in their story. Yeah. But uh, Thunder Lotus, um, they did a game called, um, I'm going to say it's Yotun, but it could, it's spelled Jotun. I think it's Yotun. Yeah, probably. Um, um, uh, the, the studio is well known for doing their hand rendered drawings of, uh, all their animation, like frame by frame. It looks like a, uh, like a Don Bluth film. If you're familiar with like dragon's Lair and stuff like that, but in real time, uh, animation while you're playing, it's not like, it's not like FMVs like back in dragon's Lair time. So this game you play, uh, the protagonist runs around and it has like this kind of spiritual vibe where you're like upgrading from this like magical tree that grants you like, um, enhanced abilities and you run through and fight like these weird robot things. So it's kind of neat, but I just absolutely love the art style. And when I played Yotan, I, I love the art style in that, but I found like the gameplay was a little bit lacking. It was more, um, prettier than yeah. it was actually fun, but this game, it feels like they found the right blend and it's actually a ton of fun to play. So, oh, but the, uh, the thing I, I mentioned before we started recording, I said I had a little side story. Yeah. This game broke my Xbox design lab controller. What? Yeah. So, it, so for those that don't know, a few of us, we, we all bought Xbox design lab controllers yeah, I don't recently. Think I've talked about that on the <laughs> podcast yet. But. And so mine's kind of been sitting in a box for three months Yeah. and I pulled it out for this game and within my first playthrough, it broke the D-pad. And so I know, oh, I, I know because you were like jamming on the D-pad or? Well, yeah, but I know it's obviously a manufacturing uh, problem. Like yeah. I didn't game too hard. Um, yeah. it, it broke because <laughs> I got a faulty product. Well, I don't but know, man. It's a, I, I am pretty you awesome. Got, you, got those big, you got those big meat hooks. Meat Jordan, hooks. Jordan's, a, you guys don't know what we look like, but Jordan's a pretty big guy. He might, he might have just crushed that D pad with his yeah. pure <laughs> will. I was playing, I was playing, and then it started squeaking, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't weird. sound good. But I, I'm like, if it's gonna break, I need to know now. Like, I'm not gonna baby the controller. Yeah. So I kept playing the way I normally do, and then half hour later it got stuck in the up position and it didn't have any like spring to it when I would press oh, it. Okay. So I mentioned it's been sitting in a box for three months. Yeah. Well, I looked at the calendar and I looked at the receipt and the controller broke the day after the warranty expired. Oh God. So I'm like looking into like, can I still fix should, this? Yeah. Or you should just message them. I know it sucks. But anyways, is it not, nothing to do with from, the game? If it's anyone just, from Xbox <laughs> is listening. Yeah. It, it didn't break because of the game. It just, I was playing this game and my controller broke. So now I'm a sad panda. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's too bad. Uh, they are cool controllers, though, those Xbox Design Lab controllers. I love mine. Apparently not that durable, though. Um, I think it's just mine. I think they're all... Xbox makes good controllers. Yeah, generally, they're very good. So, all right. So, Sundered is the game. We will add to the giveaway. Um, so, as per usual, the way to enter that giveaway is to interact with us in any way, shape, or form on social media, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, pick your platform. Um so yeah, and obviously, like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, reviews on iTunes are uh, are very helpful to us. Very, very because they increase our viewership, if you will, listenership. I guess they they move us up the rankings. So when you review stuff on iTunes, Apple goes, people must be listening to this. Let's move it up the rankings, and then it appears. I don't have it. I don't have any ambitions of getting into the top 10, but like the top 100 would be well, nice. <laughs> the other important thing about this is like, it lets us know that we're actually doing something that people care about. Yeah. That people are actually listening. So to. we know it's not just three dudes talking exactly. to themselves. It's the also good for our self esteem. So we know we're not just <laughs> talking into a vacuum. Um, so, but, uh, like I mentioned zero GB, if you're out there and you want sundered, it's, it's yours. Just, just let me know. But, um, yeah, so if you interact with us on any way, shape, or form on Twitter, at VGM Generations, or on Facebook, just search for VGM Generations, or you can send us an email if you want to send us a message so that it doesn't get broadcast to the world, and that email address is vgmgenerations at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, so that's it for this week of Anything We Want Week. Jordan will be back next week with us again. Uh, and I think the week after too. Yeah. So we'll have at Pro least probably all month, I probably think. all month. Yeah. yeah. I think we'll just keep him here all month. And if he doesn't want to come the fourth week, we'll just chain him to the chair and, and, uh, make him talk. It'll be fun. <laughs> I'm into that kind of stuff. <laughs> too much. Ooh. Ooh, getting, getting a little spicy, a little personal, a little personal. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this, uh, week of 
anything we want month and we will catch you guys next time.